everyone to Daf Yomi one week at a time, Masachet Kiddushin. And uh, today is our fifth lesson. Uh, today we're going to be reviewing Daf 32 to 38. Uh, and we left off last week on Daf 31, as we said last week, very famously learning about the um, the mitzvah of honoring and revering our parents. Um, and we're going to continue um, today at the bottom of 31. The Gemara asks, what does it mean to honor and fear our parents? What does it mean technically? So to fear your parents or I, I think I like revere, but um, to do things out of awe of our parents, um, what action is that? It's to not sit in their place or not stand in their place, um, not to contradict their words, uh, right? Very commonly, people have, um, you know, the father's seat and the mother's seat, and the children tend to not sit in those chairs. Um, so that is... Um, you ah, the fear of the parent. Uh, what does it mean to honor your parents? It means to bring them food or drink or clothing. Um, it's about showing respect with a positive um, action. Um, so the top of Daf 32 asks um, when one needs to do things for their parents, um, do you need to use your own funds or can you use the parents' money? Right, so if I need to um, uh, bring them food every day, can I use their own money or do I have to use my money? Uh, and this is actually a machloket. Uh, they try to prove it from various different sources. Um, and uh, they they show, uh, let's say, uh, when we're talking about the tithe, maser ani, if I have to give my tithe um, as a gift to a poor person, you shouldn't use that tithe to pay for your parents, um, right? That should go to poor people and there should be something separate for your parents. Um, that seems to say that it should come out of your own pocket. Um, or maybe, again, the issue is that the, the tithe needs to go to poor people um, and that's where um, you need to spend your money. Um, let's say your, your parent takes your money and throws it into the sea. Uh, you have to be careful not to embarrass them. Uh, this seems to prove that it was the child's money. Um, and the Gemara says, no, not necessarily, even if it was his own money. Uh, you know, again, any money of the parents is really the inheritance of the child. Um, so, we, you know, you don't want, uh, the son doesn't want uh, his own money thrown into the sea or his parents' money to be thrown into the sea. So that doesn't seem to be, um, that doesn't seem to be a proof whether you have to use your own money um, or you can use your parents' money to support them. Um, here there's a uh, a story of a son um, who um, comes to, um, um, who, um, who, sorry, who comments on his father's teaching of a Mishnah um, and um, then Shmuel rebukes him for doing so. Uh, and again, it's very complicated when your parent is your teacher. Um, let's say uh, another side of this is, let's say the parent violates um, the Torah, right? Does something against the Torah, right? And, and, and says, right, um, um, so then what are you supposed to do? Uh, so one, the Gemara suggests that the child can say, well, it actually says that we should do this in the Torah, right? Don't say, you just did a sin or you're so bad, right? Meaning you can give over the same message um, in a different way, right? Without embarrassing the parent, um, without um, treating them without respect. Uh, we see this, you know, all the time. If uh, children become more religious, more observant than their parents, um, it is extremely important to remember that we have a commandment to be respectful to our parents, uh, whether they keep uh, whether they keep mitzvot or not. Uh, so it is very important to recognize um, that we have to think before we speak uh, and always show honor to our parents. Um, 
let's say um, the, the father asks for something from the child while the child is doing another mitzvah. Um, do you do the first mitzvah that you were doing? And then, um, and then, sorry, and then uh, do whatever your father wants. Again, father means parent, either father or mother. Um, right, again, the mitzvot, everybody's commanded to do them. So since you're both commanded to do it, maybe you do that first. Or maybe the other mitzvah can be done by somebody else and you have the mitzvah to go honor your parents. And that seems to be the law um, that your parents trumps the other mitzvah if it could be done by somebody else. Um, a father can renounce his honor, right? So if you want to sit in your father's chair, your father can say, oh, it's okay, you can sit there and then you can sit down. Uh, a teacher, on the other hand, cannot renounce their honor. Um, the Gemara says, or maybe they can. Uh, again, there's this idea of um, a teacher um, is a symbol of the Torah, uh, and therefore you shouldn't renounce that honor. Again, when a teacher is getting honor, it's not really about the teacher, it's about the Torah that they have been teaching. Um, but even if they can renounce their honor, the Nasi, Again, the Nasi was the leader, the political leader of the time. Uh, this is after the time when we've had kings. Um, so the Nasi cannot renounce his honor, even if he's like, oh, no, no, it's fine. It's not fine. Right. Again, because of the um, the the symbol that the Nasi is uh, here there. The Gemara in Daf 32 gives a lot of stories about great rabbis who served wine at parties, weddings. Um, so it shows that they were re renouncing their own honor. Um, and uh, the Gemara says you can accept wine from them if they were serving. Uh, we learn it from Avraham. Again, Avraham was so great and he served the angels, right? The three guests um, and they accepted it. So, uh, so too we can accept it. Um, a king as well cannot um, renounce his honor. And from here, the Gemara talks about another mitzvah. Uh, it says in the Torah, mipnei seva takum, uh, that we should stand up before an elder, before someone who is older. Um, when we rise for the elderly, the Gemara says that this means someone over 70. Um, the, they ask, maybe it is also um, a zaken, an elder also connotes wisdom. Maybe it has to be only somebody wise, but maybe if they're not a good person, you don't have to get up for them. Um, the Gemara says, no, maybe it's anybody who's older, whether they're good or bad. Um, you do need to um, get up in order to honor them, but you do not need to support them as before, as opposed to before, you need to support your parents if they need support. Um, for an elder, you just need to stand up to show honor. You do not need to support them. Um, there's a machloket if you need to stand up for a young, wise person, right? We talked about an old person, whether they're wise or not. Uh, there's a machloket if you stand up for a young, wise person. Um, Daf 33, um, it, the Gemara again set, teaches that um, rising up for uh, for an elder doesn't entail losing money, uh, right? By let's say let's say you're in the middle of work uh, and an older person comes by, you don't have to stop your work in order to stand up if it's going to cost you money. Um, and from here, the Gemara talks about craftsmen in Jerusalem who would stand up even if they were walking, even if they were working for people who were coming to Jerusalem to bring their first fruits, the Bikurim. Uh, this was generally done uh, on Shavuot or around that time period. Um, people would, Jewish people would come to Jerusalem with their first fruits. Um, uh, they would come to the temple um, and all of these craftsmen would, would get up uh, the idea here is because they were doing a mitzvah to bring the bikurim, uh, so the craftsmen, out of honor to them, would stand up. Um, the Gemara says, but um, 
why would they stand up even though they didn't have to? Um, because they wanted to make sure to encourage the people to come back year after year. Uh, if they would not be celebrated, uh, they might be discouraged and they might not come back. Um, you do not need to stand up in the bathhouse or in the bathroom. Um, again, if an elder comes in, you do not need to stand up there. Again, the assumption is that people are naked. Um, there are stories of rabbis that didn't stand up for their teachers in the bathhouse, and the teacher gets upset. Um, so it seems that even though you don't have to, uh, maybe some people would prefer that you did. Uh, so the Gemara says, no, um, there's actually a distinction. It depends where they are in the bathhouse. Again, like if you can think of uh, when you go to a pool or a spa, right, there's an area where, um, you know, there's like an outer chamber where people are clothed, maybe their lockers, they're just getting ready. There's an inner chamber where people are walking around naked. That's where you do not get up uh, for the elders. Um, the... Um, uh, so the Gemara teaches that when this elder comes within four amot, uh, which is about two meters away, uh, when they're within four amot, you stand up. Uh, this is hidur, it's honor. Um, and this, as we said, is for any elder. Um, but if it's your teacher, you stand up even if they're further away. As soon as you see your teacher, you stand up. Um, an elder can take a different route so as to not make other people stand up for him. Um, the Gemara says that if one does this, uh, it leads to a long life. Uh, again, interesting, it seems to show some sort of humility, right? I, as a teacher, you don't want to inconvenience the students. Um, from here, there are stories of, of sieges that stood for non-Jewish elders uh, and offered them physical support as well. I think it's a beautiful idea that showing honor is not only to Jewish people, but to any person uh, who is uh, older, uh, one should show honor to them. Um, the, the Gemara gives another idea that, uh, let's say you're with your teacher all day. So do you keep standing up, sitting down? What do you do? Um, the Gemara says you only stand for teachers in the morning and in the evening, uh, like we stand for God, right? In the morning and the evening, maybe for like Shema, even though you sit for Shema, but okay, um, where, you, where you're accepting um, God's presence, uh, but it's not something you have to do all day. Um, Okay, um, if you don't stand for your teacher, uh, you're called evil. Uh, it leads to not having a long life uh, and it causes you to lose your Torah. Uh, I think it's a, that's a beautiful concept, right? If you don't give honor to the person who taught you Torah, uh, you will lose your Torah, right? Meaning it's reciprocal. Um, so I think it's a, it's a beautiful idea. Um, Okay, the Gemara now asks uh, a question. Um, what if the son is the father's teacher, right? So it seems, right? So not it seems, right? The, the son needs to stand up for the father because it's his parent. And the father needs to stand up for the son because it's his teacher. Um, so the question is, do they cancel each other out so nobody stands up for anybody, um, right? So uh, the Gemara says the son still stands for the father, and the father should also stand for his son, who is his teacher. So it seems it doesn't cancel it. Rather, uh, you know, it's double, right? Each one needs to stand for the other. Um, what if a person is riding an animal? Um, is it as if he's walking, which means you're standing? Um, or, and therefore you don't need to stand because you're already standing. Or is it like you're sitting because when you're riding, you're actually sitting. Um, okay, um, so there doesn't seem to be a resolution for that. Um, you should stand for a Sefer Torah, right? For a Torah scroll, uh, right? Which is why when they, in the, in the shul, when they open up the uh, ark, uh, right, we always stand, uh, right? When they take out the Torah scroll, we stand, right? So if we're standing for the teacher who teaches Torah, we also, we obviously stand for the Torah itself. Um, after the elder or the teacher passes or the Torah passes, you can sit down. Um, okay, next topic, we're going to go back to uh, 
Um, if you remember, we started last week talking about um, mitzvot, commandments that women are um, exempt from and obligated for. So here um, are obligated to do. Um, so the Gemara teaches us that um, time bound positive mitzvot, women are um, exempt from. And we'll see, uh, does exempt mean you can do it or you cannot do it, uh, right? So an example of these time-bound um, commandments are sukkah, right, lulav, um, right, the lulav, the sukkah, shofar, right, all the things that we've just been doing or we're going to be doing in the next few days. Um, those mitzvot uh, women uh, have generally taken it upon themselves to do. Um, so we see here that they can do it. Uh, they can even make a bracha to do it. Um, other of these mitzvot include tzitzit and tefillin. Um, these are, are not practices that women do. Um, all of these are time-bound, right? Tefillin you wear during the day. You wear it during the week, not on Shabbat. Um, tzitzit you wear it during the day and not at night. Um, and therefore, these are time-bound mitzvot that women do not do. Um, um, what are mitzvot that are not time-bound, that women do, right? Mezuzah, uh, ma'akeh, ma'akeh is putting a, a gate or a fence on your roof um, so that someone won't fall. Um, uh, finding a lost object and returning the lost object. Shilua um, haken, which is sending the mother bird when you want to take the chicks. Um, these are all um, mitzvot that women um, do, do, do. They are, uh, they are commanded to do. Uh, Daf 34 continues um, and tells us that there are certain time-bound mitzvot that women are obligated to do. Before we said ones that they are, she's not, now or we're not. Um, now we're going to discuss time-bound mitzvot that women are obligated to do. Um, matzah, right, eating the matzah on Pesach. If you remember, we did it in Masachet Pesachim. Uh, the reason women are uh, obligated, uh, it's connected to chametz, to getting rid of chametz, um, and the idea of, um, so that, that's matzah, um, simcha, uh, which means for Sukkot, we have a special mitzvah to be happy on the Chag, um, again, the, the Gemara discusses uh, how men and women are different when we speak of happiness, right? Men are happy with wine and meat. Uh, women are happy when they get new things. Uh, and that's where it became a custom that uh, husbands buy their wives um, gifts or new things before the holiday. Uh, the last mitzvah is hakel. Um, hakel is the gathering of the nation. Uh, if you remember, it, it happens at the end um, of a Shemitah year. We actually did it a year ago uh, now on Sukkot last year at the end of the Shemitah year. So after year seven, so on year one of Sukkot, uh, the entire nation has a commandment to come to Jerusalem and hear the king read from the Torah. Um, this is for uh, men, women, and children, even though it is time-bound. Um, the next category are um, mitzvot that are not time-bound, but women are exempt. What are these mitzvot? Um, pru urvu, meaning procreation. Uh, people tend to be, I don't know if the word is offended, how could it be? Women have children, and how could it be that they're not commanded to have children? Um, you know, some say women don't need to be commanded to have children. They naturally want to have children. Uh, therefore, it's the man who's commanded and not the woman. Um, but obviously, uh, as they say, it takes two to tango. Um, so, um, the next mitzvah um, is Talmud Torah, right? Learning Torah. This, of course, is, uh, we'll talk more about it, but um, this, of course, is a mitzvah that is not time-bound. But because it is connected to tefillin, um, women are not obligated. As we mentioned before, uh, even though they're not obligated, we are still uh, learning here. I think I noticed that we are all women tonight, uh, on our live class. So uh, obviously 
uh, we support women's learning. Um, and the last one is Pidyon Haben, right? Redeeming um, the firstborn. It is a mitzvah on the father uh, and not on the mother. We did that last week. Um, now, uh, what happened was that we originally started with a rule, right? If it's time bound, a positive mitzvah, a woman is exempt. If it's not time bound, women are obligated. Uh, but now, as we just saw, uh, there are exceptions to both of those rules. Um, and therefore, the Gemara says we can't learn anything from a general rule. Uh, even when it says except for ABC, it doesn't mean that there's not a DEF. Um, so even though we try to make a general rule, um, there are too many exceptions. And therefore, um, we're going to stick with the lists and uh, Excuse me, we're going to stick, stick with the lifts and not make general rules. Um, okay, as I mentioned, we learned that women are exempt from time bound mitzvot from tefillin. Uh, again, tefillin is time bound and only for men. Uh, and therefore, uh, we also learn, um, and we learn from Talmud Torah, um, we don't learn mezuzah, right? As we said, uh, just in case. Uh, I, I didn't mention it before, but these are all coming from the verses uh, that we actually say every day in Shema. Uh, in Shema, right in the paragraph of the Ahavta, uh, we talk about um, Talmud Torah, um, right? Learning the Dibartam Bam. Um, we talk about the Samtem Ot, right? Uh, al Yadecha or Ben Enecha, that's the Tfilin. Uh, and we have Right. Also, Bisha'arecha, that's the mezuzah. Um, so they're all from the same, um, either the same verse or the same uh, paragraph. Um, and then the Gemara says we learn from one to the other, um, but not uh, the other way, meaning women are exempt from Tfilin and Talmud Torah. They're obligated in mezuzah, right? So if a woman moves into her own apartment, she has an obligation to put up a mezuzah. Um, okay, um, right, so as I said, right, mezuzah is for everyone. It gives you long life. Gemara says women also need long life. Uh, so women are also um, uh, obligated in mezuzah. Um, sukkah, right, your sukkah is only for men. Women are exempt, uh, definitely in places where uh, people are living in colder climates. I think sometimes women don't mind sitting inside. Um, but uh, again, as I mentioned, um, women can sit in the sukkah. They make a bracha if they sit in the sukkah. Um, we do not compare sukkah to matzah uh, of Pesach, where women are obligated. Again, the Gemara on Daf 34 goes through different permutations. Why are you comparing X to Y and not X to Z, right? And the Gemara goes through why um, each thing is compared to what they're compared to and not to the other one. Um, Going, um, what's called Aliyah Laregel, uh, going to Jerusalem for the holidays, um, was only for men, right? It says Zichurecha, right? Your males um, are going to Jerusalem, but not the females. Um, it is not compared to Hakel, even though on Hakel women are obligated, um, but for Aliyah Laregel, for going to Jerusalem for the holiday, they were not obligated. Um, a husband has an obligation to make his wife happy on the Chag, right, on the festival. As I mentioned, um, giving gifts uh, is generally what uh, what is done, is the custom. Um, men and women, uh, uh, so let's go back to fearing parents, um, right? Men and women need to fear their parents, so to God, um, and therefore women are obligated um, in positive commandments, right? So that, therefore we don't say all positive commandments um, are exempted for women, uh, rather we say only specific ones and not others. Um, we mentioned learning Torah and procreation, Talmud Torah and Pru Urvu are um, constant mitzvot, right? Something that you're supposed to do um, every day, all the time. Um, only, right, we said these are only obligated to men and not to women. Uh, Daf 34, uh, sorry, 35, um, has another opinion that no, women are also obligated to procreate, to have children, 
um, but not learning Torah and not Pidyon. Right? Again, learning Torah is connected to Tfilin, um, and just like Tfilin is time bound, um, so too all of that type of mitzvah are um, are exempt. Um, right? As I mentioned, you only wear Tfilin during the day, and um, um, therefore, it, it makes it time bound. Um, some say tefillin is not time bound. Um, therefore, we learn the exemption for women um, from a, a, a different verse. Um, negative commandments, mitzvot lotase, negative commandments. Women are obligated. Um, we learn it from a verse that says a man or women or a woman transgressed, meaning they are equal uh, when we talk about um, transgression. Um, okay. Um, I see someone asked a question. Uh, Leah asked, why is there such a focus on tzitzit in the third portion of the Shema when it applies only to men? Um, again, Shema has things that apply to men and apply to everyone. So also in the same uh, in the first and second paragraph, we have tefillin. Uh, we have tefillin that are only, and learning Torah, which is only for men. Uh, we have mezuzah, uh, which is for women. So I think in the third paragraph, we have tzitzit for men, uh, remembering the exodus from Egypt for men and women. So uh, you're right that there are things that are exclusively for men, um, but there are also things that are for men and women. Um, so I think it encompasses uh, everything. Uh, the reason they're all there is because they're they're all linked um, in terms of being either a progression or linked in one way or another. Um, okay. Um, from here, um, okay, we said that um, there were things that were uh, negative commandments. That again, we said women are obligated in uh, uh, in all negative commandments, except, uh, and we learned last week, except for uh, male kohanim, male priests are not allowed to become impure, um, not allowed to come in contact with a dead body. That is not the case for women, um, and um, men are not allowed to shave their peot right, the corners of their head, um, and they're not allowed to shave their beard. This is only for men and not for women. Um, again, one could say, right, women don't have beards. Therefore, it doesn't apply to them. Um, however, the Gemara says, even if a woman does have a beard, she can shave it, right? Even though a man can't shave, uh, a woman can. Um, it says, lo tashchit, Right, don't destroy the the um, beard. What does it mean to destroy? Uh, it means to shave it, right? Which is why um, Jewish men are not allowed to shave with a razor because it's so close to the skin. It destroys, uh, right? It completely removes the hair. Um, but you could use scissors. Um, and again, nowadays, an electric razor um, is like a scissor, right? It, it has the same action. Um, so that it um, it cuts deeper than actually taking a scissor, but it's not the same as a as a razor. Um, from here, uh, the Gemara says that if a woman has sarat leprosy on her beard, right? If she she's growing some hair on her face, um, it teaches that we see it as a beard, and she needs to be purified. We see it as hair, um, so we see that. The, the the Gemara does recognize that a woman could have a beard. Again, uh, it means hair growing on her chin, something like that. Um, the Torah tells us that if a per person is in mourning, you cannot pull out your hair. Um, this seems to be only for men, and women are exempt. Um, but no one is allowed to cut themselves as a sign of mourning. Um, this happens anywhere on the body, as opposed to pulling out hair, which is only on the head. Um, or, okay, so now DAF 36 teaches us, um, why are women exempt? Uh, they're exempt because, um, because they, um, um, this idea of pulling out hair is connected to kohanim, to priests, 
and it says Bnei Aharon, right? The sons of Aharon. Uh, again, the sons and not the daughters. Uh, therefore, it's only the men and not the women. Um, a man, as we said, you're not allowed to pull out your hair. A man is not allowed to pull out his hair um, um, as a sign of mourning. Uh, it says that a man is liable for each bald spot that he makes on his head. Um, right? It's not just about pulling out hair in general, but every bald spot is an issue. Um, and um, one would have thought, again, the verses seem to imply that it might be only for the priests, only for the Kohanim. The Gemara says, no, it's not only for the Kohanim, but it's all men um, because it's, and it has to be specifically um, for, uh, as a sign of mourning. Right, so if you um, are just pulling out your hair for no reason, uh, that is not a transgression of this um, mitzvah. Um, or we learn that women are exempt from this because it's connected to tefillin. How is it connected to tefillin? Um, both of them say the 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 idea or the placement is right between your eyes. Um, the tefillin need to be placed before right between your eyes again, not literally, but on the hairline. Um, so too, if you um, pull out your Hair, which is like at your this is what you're not allowed. Um, okay, uh, the, since we're talking about Bnei Aharon, the Gemara talks about the fact that the Jewish people are called um, Banim Lehashem. Right, this is beautiful for our time period. Right, we're actually now in uh, the ten days of repentance, Aserati Mechuva, uh, where we're saying the prayer Avinu Malkenu. Right, our Father, our King. Uh, that's something that we're really focusing on uh, now in this time period. Um, so here, the Gemara talks about the fact that we are children to God. Um, so one opinion is we're only seen as the children of God when we're acting like good children. Um, but if we don't act like good children, right, if we're distancing ourselves, then we're not called the children of God. Um, and uh, the other, uh, the other um, opinion in the Gemara on Daf 36 uh, says, no, we are always called the children of God. Uh, it doesn't matter what we do, um, but we are always the children of God. I think that that's a, a very important lesson, I think, in general, um, but specifically uh, for this time period when uh, a few of us were talking before class uh, about uh, do we see Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur as a Chag, right? Some people say Chag Sameach, other people are very, very uh, somber and serious, um, and I think that this is part of it. I think on one hand, it is important to take uh, these days very seriously. Um, on the other hand, I think, again, if I can personally say that I I, uh, I relate more to the idea that we're always uh, seen as God's children, I think that that's a very important lesson for us uh, when we're doing it tshuva, right? God is always there for us. Um, and uh, it doesn't matter what we've done. Uh, the Gemara says, maybe if you do, uh, if you worship idols, then you're not considered the children of God. Uh, and then again, the Gemara says, no, uh, another opinion, I should say. Uh, another opinion is, again, we are always the children of God. No matter what we've done in our lives, uh, whatever uh, we've done, God is always there for us. Um, okay. Let's continue um, the next Mishnah on Daf 36. Uh, we're continuing with mitzvot for women. Again, I still think that we're still all women on this group. Um, so uh, very applicable. Um, so the Mishnah tells us that women don't... Uh, uh, so this Mishnah is talking about things that are done in the temple, in the Beit HaMikdash, um, either by... Um, what I would call Yisrael, right, regular people. Um, and then the second half of the Mishnah are things that the Kohanim do. Um, so uh, so the, the Mishnah tells us that women don't do smicha. Um, smicha, we're used to the word smicha as in like a rabbi gets smicha. Um, but in the time of the temple, smicha means leaning on the animal, 
right? It's a way of transferring, um, you know, again, uh, some sort of uh, spiritual energy, some sort of um, um, responsibility, maybe. Um, but it's a, a we lean on the animal. Um, so men do this, but women don't. Uh, there's actually uh, a in another masachet. I think we did it in Ptachim, um, that women can do smicha if they want. Um, tnufa is another action that women don't do. Tnufa is the waving of a, a, a sacrifice. This was generally done by the owners of the sacrifice. If the owner is a woman, she does not do tnufa. Um, the Mishnah continues that for the work in the Beit HaMikdash was done by men uh, and not women. So if there was a girl, right, a, a woman who's a Kohen, uh, or what we will call a Bat Kohen, the daughter of a Kohen, she cannot go to the Beit HaMikdash uh, and do the rituals of the sacrifice, right, the sacrificial service. Um, so she, and the Gemara um, basically writes down all of these actions, Um um, she she cannot do what's called kmitza, um, that is taking with your hand a handful of grain for the grain offering, um, haktara, that's a burning of incense, milika, that's how they would um, kill the bird offering, um, kabbalah, um, kabbalah is receiving the blood, um, haza'a is sprinkling of the blood. Um, however, um, there are two exceptions to all of the things we just said, um, and we've done this before, um, that um, the two exceptions are the korban mincha, the green offering of the sota. If you remember the sota, she does lift up her korban um, with the kohen, um, so she does what's called tnufa. Right, she weaves it up, um, and a nazirah, right, a woman who is a nazir, um, she also will do tnufa um, for her korban. Uh, just as an aside, those of you who have been learning uh, with me for the past three and a half years, it's amazing to be able to look back, right, and say, oh yeah, we learned all of these things. Um, so call kabot to everybody. Um, okay, the Gemara says. Um, Again, um, it, the Gemara goes through each one of these actions. Why are women uh, exempt? Uh, and most of them are going to be because it says B'nai, right? Either B'nai Yisrael or B'nai Aharon, right? Smicha, it says only B'nai Yisrael, just men. Same thing with Tshnufa. Um, the other things, um, it says also B'nai Aharon, only men. That's for all the services in the temple. Um, we talked about sprinkling the blood, um, or sorry, we, we talked about sprinkling. So the Gemara asks, what sprinkling are we talking about? Is it sprinkling of the blood of the, the red heifer, the para aduma? Um, the Gemara says, no, that can't be because that's only the Kohen Gadol, the high priest who does that. So obviously it's not a woman. Um, maybe it's an inner sin offering, which again gets sprinkled inside the temple. Again, that's only the, the high priest. Um, so we're talking about sprinkling of the blood of a bird offering. Uh, that is only for the male Kohen and not a female. Um, as we said, um, the mincha of the sota, the, the green offering of the sota, needs to be waved by the woman. Um, it's learned from um, from the word hand, which is just like a shlamim, um, a shlamim sacrifice. Um, she needs to weave it, and so does the kohen. Um, this is done by the kohen. If you remember, we learned the kohen puts his hand under the woman's hand, and they both um, wave the the korban or lift it up. Uh, nazir is learned from sota, um, and... Um, they both do that. Okay, next, Mishnah. Uh, we're moving on from women. Uh, we're going to um, mitzvot. Um, in Hebrew, the term is mitzvot, hatluyot ba'aretz. Uh, mitzvot that are, um, for, that are done in Eretz Yisrael. Um, so the Mishnah tells us that mitzvot that are dependent on the land are only practiced in Israel, in Israel. If they're not dependent 
on the land, then they're practiced also outside of Israel. Um, this is true except for two things. One is orla. Um, orla is that you're not allowed to eat the produce of a, of a tree for the first three years of its life. Um, afterwards, you can. Um, and kilaim, kilaim is you're not allowed to mix um, different or plant different species together. Um, this also applies outside of Israel, not only in Israel. Um, another opinion also adds the concept of, of chadash, um, which literally means new. Uh, we're talking about eating the new grain. Um, you're not allowed to eat from the new wheat harvest till the Omer sacrifice was brought on Pesach. Um, once it was brought, so then you can eat hadash, um, or it's not hadash anymore, and then you can eat it. Um, so the Gemara explains on people that are dependent on the land. What does that mean? Um, maybe when the verse says, when you come to the ah, when you come, um, oh, did you, uh, uh, well done. Oh, I'm here. Did I, I lose you? Is everybody okay? Can everyone hear me? Hello? I hear you. <laughs> A little choppy, but yeah. Um, you're going in and out, but we're still understanding you. So okay. Can everyone hear me? Hello? Can someone give me a thumbs up? Aliza, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. No? Yeah, I can hear you. Um, I can. Yeah, we can hear you. Hold on. Okay. Now is that true? I can hear you. Um, okay. Yeah. So the, thank you. Um, okay. So the Gemara asks, um, what does it mean to be dependent on the land? Um, maybe it's about the verse when the when we have the commandment. It talks about when you come to the land, bia. When you bow, right? When you come to the land, um, that's when it is. Um, it comes into effect. Um, Or um, maybe the, the distinction is um, it's dependent if the commandment is dependent on the person, then done outside of Israel also. If it's dependent on the land, so then it's only done in Israel. Um, so again, and, uh, um, the, there's a verse that talks about guarding the mitzvot in the land all the days that you live on the earth. Um, so when it talks about wherever you live, wherever you live, that's anywhere in Israel or or outside of Israel. Um, so says maybe we're talking about dependent on the person, but dependent on the land. Um, so now the question is, what is when we said that, that uh, the last opinion in the Mishnah added chadash, the new grain. Um, so, so the question is, was Rebbe Eliezer being more stringent? Is is uh, kept outside of Israel. Um, and it's like Orla and uh, uh, it's like Orla and Kilaim. Um, again, this is based on the fact that uh, it says Moshe right? Where you 
live, right, anywhere, or maybe it means only in Eretz Yisrael, in the land. Um, only, uh, again, um, maybe it, so the Gemara tells us that Hadash only applied after the Jewish people covered and settled Israel. So that's 14 years after they uh, uh, entered the land. Only after those 14 years is being more lenient. And they said, Orla and Kila, it also included Chadash. And then he said, no, um, right, only Chadash is only what it's only in Israel. Uh, so here, um, now the Gemara talks about, um, uh, again, is Rabbi Eliezer being more stringent? Uh, and it seems that uh, it seems that the, the Gemara says that he is being more, more stringent. Um, okay. Um, here it seems that uh, there's a discussion in the Gemara about sacrifices before Jewish people went into Israel. Um, and there's a question, did they personal sacrifices? Um, and did they bring libations with these um, sacrifices? Um, so one part of the Mahogan is that they did, um, that they didn't get the, uh, the sacrifices, and therefore only when they came into Israel did they bring the sacrifices, or um, no, they brought them in. In the day of Israel, certain mitzvot, uh, certain commandments are still kept outside of Israel. Um, okay. Um, again, as we mentioned, uh, this word of coming into Israel versus settling in Israel are used to um, um, talks about. We lost her. I was still trying to put together what she was saying, but it was getting tougher and tougher. Yeah. I wish she'd tell her so she'd stop trying to record it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, let me see if I have a WhatsApp. Don't Maybe the chat. You could just do it on the chat. No, but I don't think she's on at all. No, I don't think so either. She comes. Oh. Is she back on? Okay. I'm here today. Oh. oh, okay. Okay. Is you? Oh, yeah. No, we lost on. you. Not audio, not video. Yeah, now we, now we hear you, but we can't see it. Oh, here we go. There we are. Oh, there you are. Oh. I'm here. I'm here. I don't know. There must be something going on with my internet. I'm not sure why. Um, okay. Can you hear me now? Okay. There's a lot I, of buffering. Okay. Yeah. I I I don't know. My computer shows that it's connected to the internet, but there must be something with the the service with my internet. So okay, we're almost well, done. Um, the last the last ten minutes, it was one word, and then it wasn't a word. Now, yes, there was a word. No, there wasn't a word. So, oh no. Okay. Uh, oh no. Okay. So uh, I'll go back to um, the man in the desert. Um, so the man in the desert fell for 40 years. Um, it, there was now a discussion of when, um, when did it stop? Um, did it stop at the border uh, when the Jewish people got to the border of Israel? Um, or did it continue even uh, as they entered Israel? Uh, and from here, the Gemara talks about some uh, timing. Um, so it says that Moshe died uh, on the seventh of Adar, um, and the man stopped at the border um, when they got to the Jordan River. But the last month, um, when they were mourning for um, Moshe, they still had man to eat, but it wasn't falling anymore. Um, so um, the, the Gemara explains also that the man only started really at 40 years minus a month, because the first month 
from when they left Egypt, they were still eating the matzah that they took with them from Egypt. Um, and only then um, did the man start to fall. Uh, the Gemara tells us that Moshe was born and died on the 7th of Adar. Um, and the Jewish people entered Israel on the 10th of Nisan. Uh, I actually have a friend um, who goes to uh, what we believe is the Jordan River crossing um, on the 10th of Nisan every year uh, in order to celebrate the day that the Jewish people entered Israel. Um, so the Gemara tells us if you take the 10th of Nisan, you go back 33 days, right? 30 days for mourning, three days for preparation for them to enter Eretz Yisrael. That's how we get the fact that Moshe died on the 7th of Adar. Um, Moshe says, right, how do we know that he died on it, that he died on his birthday? Because Moshe says, I am 120 years old today, right? Hayom, uh, that implies that it was his birthday on the day that he died. And the Gemara tells us that the righteous people die on their birthday. Um, there are three mitzvot um, that only went into effect when they went into Israel, but we keep them outside of Israel, meaning they, they, they go into effect also when you're living outside of Israel, as we said, um, or la, uh, not eating from, the, from fruit trees for the first three years. This is temporary, but you cannot get any benefit from the fruit. Um, Kilayim, as we said, mixing, um, planting different species. Um, this is forever, meaning there's nothing to do. Whatever grew together is um, forbidden to eat, um, and you cannot get any uh, enjoyment from it. Um, chadash is temporary. Once the sacrifice was brought, uh, then you can eat from the new grain. Um, okay, um, so uh, if... Right again, if the mitzvot were commanded before the Jewish people got into Israel, so then they apply also outside. If they got the mitzvah after they entered Israel, so then in Israel um, you need to keep it, but outside um, you do not need to keep it. Um, it seems that chadash, as I mentioned, is from the Torah. It's biblical, um, even outside of Israel. Or la is either. Um, was either taken upon themselves uh, outside of Israel, or it's a commandment that was given to Moshe, what's called halacha le Moshe mi Sinai. Um, if we're not sure if something is orla or kilayim, in Israel it's forbidden. Um, out, uh, in Surya, which is somewhere in between Israel and outside of Israel, it's permitted. Um, outside of Israel, um, if there's a doubt, you can actually buy it from the farmer as long as you didn't see him picking it. Um, or maybe um, right, uh, you, can, you can get it, but you can't pick it yourself. Um, so with that, uh, we are going to finish for today. Uh, I'm sorry for my uh, internet uh, reality. Uh, I want to wish everyone a Shabbat Shalom, uh, and what, what we say, Gemar Chatima Tova. Uh, it should be a very meaningful, uh, serious, yet uh, emotional, meaningful uh, Yom Kippur, uh, and, see you, uh, and see you next week. Bezrat Hashem, regular time, uh, regular day and regular time. Thank Bye, you. everyone. Thank, Thank you, Rabbi.